0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is believe. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to Believe in Finn's Talk with TD. Yes, this is our very first show. Very first episode of the brand new podcast, Believe in Finn's Talk. Once again, I want to give a special thanks to the Believe Podcast Network for believing in me and giving me this opportunity to just enjoy doing what I love to do. And that is Talk Miami Dolphins Football. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome, welcome, welcome. It is time to get this show on the road and it couldn't have happened at a better time. Man, the first episode comes off our biggest victory of the season. Not only was it the biggest victory of the season, it was the most impressive one, and I'm going to explain to you all today so many things, but the first thing I'm going to explain is the simple fact that this just very well may be the turning point in our season that actually propels us all the way to the Super Bowl. Oh my gosh, man, it is an honor to be your host. My name is Tony Dow. Everyone calls me TD, you know my initials, and our mascot's name is TD, so it's It's just fitting, man. It is just fitting. I'm excited, but let's get into it, guys. I'm not just—I'm not gonna geek out right now and just be just. Oh my gosh, I have a podcast, man. I'm, listen, I'm excited about that. All right, but let's go ahead and do what we're here to do, and that's talk Miami Dolphins football. If you aren't subscribed to Believe in Fin's Talk with TD, you gotta subscribe now. We're on every um, podcast um, platform. Just just subscribe. Make sure you rank the show. Tell us if you like what you hear but listen let's go ahead and dive in because i am just on a high right now i am on a high this sunday the miami dolphins flew out west long flight to take on the san francisco 49ers if i'm not mistaken even vegas had the odds that the 49ers will win this game by eight points by eight points ladies and gentlemen now we all know the Miami Dolphins have had a roller coaster start to the season. It's been such an up and down experience. A lot of people at, at this point just want to see Tua Tonga Valoa playing for the Miami Dolphins, especially when you have Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow out there. But everybody's circumstances are different, as Flores had told us already. But here we go, going into San Francisco one and three. Many people wrote the Miami Dolphins off. The season is over. We might as well tank again, which I don't believe we tanked last year. But that's the narrative that was out here. We might as well lose games, get a good draft pick, and make the most of whatever we can do next year. But I'm sorry. This team showed up on Sunday and changed the entire narrative of this season. And I have to be honest with you all. Yes, I predicted the Miami Dolphins would win. I had a final score prediction of 24 to 20 Miami. But boy, I did not see this coming. I mean, there's so much to talk about. It's like, where do you start, TD? Where do you start, man? So here's where I'm going to start. I have to start by going in the past. We have to talk about where this team has come from and where we are now. There was this narrative last week that this team hadn't made any improvements. We're the same old team. But do people forget what happened last year with the Miami Dolphins? Do we forget that easily? Does anyone remember what happened in the first five games last season? That's where we have to go back to. Last season, we opened up the season playing the Baltimore Ravens and the Miami Dolphins got blown off the map, 59 to 10. Let me say that again, just in case you didn't hear me. 59 to 10, this season in game one, we lose to the Patriots 21-11. Do you see the difference? Do you see the difference ladies and gentlemen? Last year, game two, we got blown off the map again by those same Patriots, 43 to zero. 43 to zero. This year, we lose to the Bills, 31-28. If you don't see the difference, you need to look a little harder. Last year, game three, the Dallas Cowboys destroyed us 31 to six. Boy, oh boy. This year, game three versus the Jags, we destroy them 31 to 13. Do you see the difference? Game four last year, we run up with the Chargers at home and they destroy us 30 to 10. This year, playing one of the best teams in the league that's 5-0 right now, the Seattle Seahawks, we lose 31-23 to in a game that was a lot more respectable than that, just got away in the last minutes. Do you see the difference? Last year, week five, the first competitive game of our season, we still lost to the Washington football team as it is now, 17 to 16, finally getting a little bit of respect in a loss. This year, we blow out the team that went to the Super Bowl that had their entire offense healthy for the first time back on the field. We blow them out 43 to 17, ladies and gentlemen. Do you see the difference? That's where I want to start. This narrative that the Miami Dolphins have not made any improvements since last year just needs to stop. Cut it out. Anybody who's out there spreading that fake, false narrative, stop it. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. Under the leadership of Brian Flores, this team has made a... Complete three sixty. Now I know some people. Well, well, you're two and three. That still doesn't say much. It says everything when you look at where we came from. 0 and five to two and three, and not one game was uncompetitive. Might I add, dealing with all type of injuries in different spots of the team. This team is back. Are we we at the point where we've reached our pinnacle? We're not even close. Yesterday, we just scratched the surface. We scratched the surface. The Miami Dolphins can, uh, listen, I was going to say we can't, we will not do anything but go up from here. The San Francisco 49ers is a good team, ladies and gentlemen. Now, I do understand they're missing some players as well, but their entire starting offense was back for the first time since the Super Bowl. Vegas had them an eight-point favorite in this game, and Miami, Dol- the Miami Dolphins came out and said, listen, we're going to have to make you all respect us. And that's what we did. We demolished the 49ers. Man, I can't wait to. I'm, I'm not going to get ahead of myself. I cannot wait till I talk about this defense. Oh, boy. This is the vision. Oh, I, I'll, I'll wait. Let me finish making my point about us having turned the corner. Not only have we turned the corner, but ladies and gentlemen, you have to understand that when you look at our schedule now, we have a legitimate shot to go on a run. We're about to face next week at home one of the worst teams in the NFL in our very own division, the New York Jets, led by who we should all know very well, Adam Gase. That is the game that should put Miami at 500 after losing games that many Dolphin fans feel like we could have won early in the season. So to adjust the schedule and have the Jets at home is a huge victory for the Miami Dolphins with the situations that have been taking place with COVID-19 and all of those things. Not only do we face the Jets, but then we have a bye right after that. An opportunity to regroup and recoup. We have Austin Jackson who's been hurt which and and we'll talk about that as well this offensive line you couldn't even you wouldn't have even known the kid was missing yesterday. We have actually done a phenomenal job with this O-line. We're going to get to that a little later. But the beauty of the bye right after the Jets, Austin Jackson being placed on IR, we don't know if it's season ending or if they would bring him back after the three weeks. But if they do bring him back after the three weeks, one week is down, the Jets will make two weeks, the bye week will make three weeks, and to finish it out, he may even be back in time for the Rams if he's able to come back. If he's not able to come back after the three weeks, he may have to hang it up for the rest of the season, I believe. Um, If he's not back in three weeks, um, that IR period closes. The IR period closes. But once we come off of the bye, we have another game at home. It's like, I I promise you guys, this it's just working out perfect because after the bye, we have another game at home. But this game isn't the cakewalk. This game to me is that game where we really have to gauge who this team is. And that's against the Los Angeles Rams, a very good team, ladies and gentlemen. But to be fair, they haven't beaten anyone. They beat the Washington football team. Who isn't doing well. They beat the New York Giants, who isn't doing well. They lost to Buffalo. They beat the Eagles, who's just not doing well. And they beat the Cowboys. They haven't played anyone. So that would be a good test for the Miami Dolphins and the Los Angeles Rams in that game. Now, I don't want to go all the way through the schedule, but what I'm trying to say here is this could very well be the turning point in our season. Every game we play from this point all the way until we reach the Kansas City Chiefs in week 14, they're all winnable. That's seven winnable games. And why do I bring this point up? Because we have to pay attention to trajectory. Remember when I said last year, we started the season getting blown out. And not until about week six that we make it respectable, but we were still losing. And in the last six games of the season, we started a little chemistry and got more wins than losses. Headed in the right direction. But this year, we start the losing early, but the competitiveness started from jump with key injuries. IE, Byron Jones. And with the win yesterday, it gives you the sense of we've got over that gelling period and now it's time to play to our full potential, our fullest of potential. And to have six winnable games, seven winnable games coming up, let me list those games. Jets, Rams, Cardinals, Chargers, Broncos, Jets, Bengals. Those are all winnable games for the Miami Dolphins, seven of them. I'm not going to sit here and say Miami Dolphins is going to win all seven, but you know, if you know anything about me, why not? I'm not saying that we are, but why can't we? They're all winnable. So you mean to tell me, if the Miami Dolphins were to actually show the improvement and go on a run and win seven games, we would be nine and three with four games remaining. Now, I know I'm jumping ahead of myself to even suggest that we're going to win the seven in a row. I'm a very optimistic guy. That's what I'm going to be rooting for. But at the same token, you know, you, if you want to be realistic, you can like a realistic projection would be to throw at least two losses in there and make it five and two. But I'm, I'm just saying. Either way. I want people to know that this team might have just turned the corner, but who is going to actually recognize it? I am. I recognize it. And at the end of the day, time will tell. But I believe in this team. I believe that the Miami Dolphins just turned the corner with an impressive win against the NFC champs last year, the team that made it to the Super Bowl and played a very competitive game against the Kansas City Chiefs last year in the Super Bowl, we purely dominated them. We straight up dominated them. Not only did we dominate them, but they got their starting quarterback. They got them back. And guess what? We end up benching him. We forced the San Francisco 49ers to bench their starting quarterback. And Jimmy Garoppolo. They had to turn to CJ. Impressive. This defense. Oh, my God gosh this is what i've been talking about for so long this is the brian flores vision for his defense where your defensive line is creating pressure your linebackers are getting through shooting gaps and making the most of opportunities your cornerbacks are locking everyone down your safeties are running free and getting interceptions and laying hits This is what the vision of a Brian Flores defense was and is and will continue to be. Why wasn't it like that for the first few games? I have one name for you, ladies and gentlemen. Byron Jones. Byron Jones. We already know what Xavier Howard is. He's a ball hawk. Yesterday, he gave phenomenal energy He stuck with his man the first few games. It was like you know, people questioned his effort, including myself. He didn't look the same coming off the injury, but I'm seeing the progression week by week by week, and I'm starting like I'm one of those individuals that I've I've always said some things about Xavier Howard about the things I didn't like about his game, but what I like right now in that game versus the 49ers, he gave us all the energy he could. There was no no jogging on the field like we saw in the first few games. He made the most of the opportunity. I mean, he almost had another pick in the the game that he dropped. But why do I bring up Byron Jones? Because when Byron Jones went out with his injury, people failed to realize the impact that would have on our overall defense. Let me explain. All camp, all offseason, Byron Jones has been at the corner position and no one's been able to touch that position because the, at the time he was the highest paid corner in the league. That is his spot. He's getting 100% of the reps. On the other side, same thing with Xavier Howard. He may not have gotten 100% of the reps, but that was only because of the injury concerns, making sure that they didn't rush him back. But everybody knew those two spots were locked down. So a lot of people didn't get the reps that you would have liked for them to have gotten on the outside in camp just in case one of those guys went down. So when Byron went down, everything had to shift. Xavier Howard might have had to shift to the best receiver. Then Noah Igmanogamy, our rookie, had to be the number two. We kept flexing out different guys in the slot, whether that was Nick Needham, Perry. I mean, it was all over the place. We had guys playing on the field out of position. Everyone had to shift because Byron Jones was out. And now that Byron Jones returns to action, everybody shifts back to their natural position. We have the reserves that we need to come in and spare guys, and this defense looks night and day. In the previous games without Byron Jones, people attacked our secondary. Quick passes, deep middle of the field passes, crossing routes. They attacked our secondary. The pass rush would create pressure at times, but they could never get there in time before the ball was was released out of their hands. Linebackers had to respect the run, especially after the Patriots had ran all uh, over us in the first game and we come to game number two versus Buffalo and they ran all over us as well. The linebackers stuck in the box to make sure the run doesn't take off. Every team would just expose our pass defense. Now Byron Jones returns and everybody's back in a more comfortable state. And now the defensive line could tee off on quarterback. Like a lot of the sacks that took place, they were coverage sacks, ladies and gentlemen. Now, I'm not going to diminish what that defensive line did yesterday with most of our reserves. Guys like Zeiler, who balled out. Gruger Hill playing good football. Man, we had guys who normally don't get get a lot of snaps actually showing up and making huge plays, delivering big hits on the quarterback. But if you go take a look at it, a lot of that doesn't happen. If Byron Jones is not back in that secondary, and Xavier Howard has less less of a responsibility, to guard the best guy on the field on the offensive side, those were covered sacks. Quarterback had nowhere to go all day, and when he tried, a defender was right there. And even if he got a completion, shout out to Eric Rowe and Bobby McCain. By the way, I have—I'll I'll be very disrespectful not to point out two of the guys who showed up and showed out yesterday. Bobby with the interception, Eric Rowe with the hits that are knocking balls out. And those two, oh my God, like, like, let's be honest, Dolphin fans. We have been talking nothing but negativity about the thought of Byron, not Byron Jones, but Eric Rowe and Bobby McCain at the safety position. Did you see the game those two gentlemen had yesterday? These guys played the position as if they were pro bowlers. This is the vision of a Brian Flores defense. This is the vision. This defense can compete with any team. If we can lock down the receivers, allow our defensive line to get up and at the quarterbacks and our safeties are able to roam free and and actually identify where the ball is going. And that doesn't happen unless Byron Jones returns to the lineup. That's the importance of Byron Jones, ladies and gentlemen. That is simply the importance of Byron Jones. And Xavier Howard balled out as well, had four targets, zero um, zero completions against him, one pass defense, and the interception. This is what it's about. We have a secondary that dictates how this defense goes, and they were healthy yesterday and were on the field. And I'll give you another thing. Noah Igbenogamy, who struggled so far, he was on the field a lot yesterday. People didn't even notice People were saying to me, where is Noah? And and I'm looking at him right there on the field. His name wasn't called because he's in a much more realistic situation, not having to be out on the boundary where Byron was supposed to be the whole time. Noah had done a good job all day making sure when he got reps, he was out there guarding his guy. Outside of a few questionable calls by the referee later in that game in the third and fourth quarter, This defense was uh, almost flawless, creating fumbles, creating turnovers. If we can continue that and carry that forward, listen, ladies and gentlemen, the Miami Dolphins are back. And I'm not going to forget about the offensive side of the ball either because this is a loaded subject. When we talk about the offense, usually we want to start with the quarterback, but no, you don't start with the quarterback. You start with the MVP of the offense, and that has been all season, this offensive line. This offensive line has been ridiculously good. And to have a situation yesterday where Austin Jackson, your starting left tackle, is not going to play on IR and you don't even miss him? That speaks wonders to what they're doing in that locker room and how they're preparing guys, how they're showing that we've been preparing and coaching guys up to be quality depth. And Solomon Kinley, oh my gosh. Listen, this kid is special, guys. I I promise you, at some point, he's going to be be a Pro Bowl right guard. Solomon Kinley is playing grown man football. If you haven't been paying attention, just pull up any footage, pull up any film. I don't care what the play is. Just look at the right guard. Solomon Kinley has been playing out of this world football on that O line. anybody in front of him he has one goal and that is to abuse them to run them in the dirt. He has played physical, tough hard nosed football. go check it out guys. if you don't believe me go check it out I'm, I'm listen and this is a rookie. I mean, come on. This is unbelievable. I can't believe what I'm seeing happening on this O-line. I'm proud of this team, ladies and gentlemen. Not Not only have they done great pass protecting, but they're starting to improve every single week in opening lanes for the running backs. They're actually getting better and better in the run Run gap! Oh my gosh, I I can't believe this. To go through twenty years of just just up and down offensive line play, one of the most sacked teams in the NFL during that stretch, and to see what we're seeing now. To have a great defense playing great, and to see our offensive line holding it down, and it's a ripple effect from there. Now you have a quarterback in Ryan Fitzpatrick who actually has protection. Time to throw the ball, which should minimize mistakes, which is Ryan Fitzpatrick. He makes mistakes even with protection at times. But that's not the Ryan we got yesterday, and we're going to get to that in a moment. But it is a ripple effect. When the O-line is playing well, you're keeping the chains moving by giving great down and distance. You're giving your running back five yards on first down. Now you got a second and five, something we're not used to. You're giving the quarterback good vision and time to throw the ball. And if nothing is there, time to improvise and make a decision on whether to run or scramble until something develops. And that takes me to Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yesterday, the Ryan Fitzpatrick that we saw ladies and gentlemen is an MVP candidate in this league if he can be consistent. Yeah, I said it. I said it. Now, I'm not talking about I am I I am not talking about looking at Ryan Fitzpatrick's whole season or his career. We're talking about the game he played yesterday. That is a NFL MVP candidate type game. The issue we have is whether or not we can see consistency in Ryan Fitzpatrick playing at such a high level. That's the question. Does he have it in him to play at such a high level to where he could actually end the season an MVP candidate? It's never been proven for Ryan Fitzpatrick. Never. But what I want to say is. Ryan Fitzpatrick having weapons and Mike Gusecki, Devonte Parker, Preston Williams and a few others here and there. He's comfortable with these guys. Fitzpatrick is the type of guy that's gonna throw the ball up even if you're not, even if you're covered well, and he's gonna rely on his receivers to help make a play or bail him out. But at least he has the right receivers to do that, and Devonte Parker and Preston Williams, who are two guys who can go up and get it, and Mike Geseki as well. I'm not going to criticize Ryan Fitzpatrick nor praise him right now because we've seen this before. We've, 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 we've seen this show before. Now, as a real Miami Dolphins fan, the only thing we can do is just hope. And that's what I'll do. I just hope that we can continue to see a consistent Ryan Fitzpatrick that plays at a high level. I'm not saying that he's going to be mistake-free. I'm almost, it's almost certain that things are going to happen and mistakes are going to happen. But when you have a chance to make the most of an opportunity, be consistent. That's what I'm going to hope for. Because ladies and gentlemen, I am here to tell you right now, if Ryan Fitzpatrick can be consistent, We're going to the playoffs behind this defense and this offensive line. If Ryan Fitzpatrick can be wise and use his veteran savvy knowledge to be more consistent and make great decisions, we're going to the playoffs this year. And all those individuals, come on, bro, you know, I I see eight and eight this year. That's not get too far ahead of ourselves. That may very well be true, but your assessment of eight and eight is an assessment with Ryan Fitzpatrick being Ryan Fitzpatrick and being a roller coaster. But even those who doubt we can go to the playoffs know that if Ryan Fitzpatrick can play 80%, give us 80% of what he gave us versus San Fran, we're going to the playoffs. Granted, the defense continues to play well. (laughs) and i'm going to i'm going to be the first to say the rams game is going to be the ultimate test for the miami dolphins. i believe i truly believe that game is going to define who this team is. what this team is. but i hope ryan fitzpatrick can be consistent. because ladies and gentlemen, i'm sorry, all of this talk about well, they may have a plan to put Tua in week 12 or 11, 10, 13, whatever it may be, I don't think you're going to see Tua anymore this season at this point. Unless Ryan Fitzpatrick just falls off of a cliff and have three games, like the three interception game he had earlier this season, we're not going to see Tua this year. If we can be up in a game 40 to 17 with six minutes or whatever it was and not get even snaps to hand it off, we're not going to see Tua Tonga Valoa. That ship has sailed. At this point, Tua our Valoa, the only narrative that needs to be discussed is the one of who he's going to be competing against come next camp. We got to be realistic at this point. Flores has no intention to start Tua. There's no plan that says in week 10 we'll do it. Especially with these next seven games being winnable. And if Fitz continues to play at the level he's playing and we're winning majority of those games and we're in playoff contention, nobody in their right mind could could actually believe that we would be considering putting Tua Tungvaluwa in the game let's be honest with ourselves and stop teasing ourselves and stressing ourselves and realize right now the only conversation dealing with Tua Tonga Valoa that needs to be had is who is he going to be competing against in camp next season some say it might be Fitz again some say it might be a free agent quarterback that they sign in the league Some say it might be Trevor Lawrence. I'm going to leave that one alone for another podcast episode. (laughs) But moving right along, guys, listen, the Miami Dolphins showed up and showed out yesterday. Devontae Parker had such a very, very, very good game as well. Um, This team just showed up as a whole. One of the biggest highlights of yesterday was to see Preston Williams actually have over 100 yards, have a sense of success. I was starting to worry about Preston Williams quite a bit, ladies and gentlemen, because he's actually been very inconsistent this season. Now, mind you, he is coming off of the injury that he had. But he was starting, it wasn't looking very good at all, but the kid kid caught four balls yesterday for 106 yards and one touchdown. If you can get 75% of that type of play every week, He's going to be a thousand yard receiver and he's going to be part of our future. Right now, the jury's still out on Preston Williams. His trajectory should tell you that he'll be a part of our future. But at the same token, he has to be a little more consistent. And yesterday was a good, very good indication that he's headed in that direction. Mike Gusecki had a huge game as well. Five receptions for 91 yards. He's starting to get better and better and come on more and more. And I really do think we need to target him a little more. I really do. And like I said, Devontae Parker has played well. <laughs> I mean, regardless of the situation. He but, he but he was only targeted three times. He had two receptions and a touchdown. Now 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 I have to shift from the from the um wide receivers real quick because I want to go to the running back group in yesterday's victory. Miles Gaskins has been a sense of relief for the Miami Dolphins and and, and let me address something this narrative that My, that Miles Gaskins is not our RB1 premier back. That, that this notion that you have to get 25 carries to be the premier back. No, ladies and gentlemen, it solely depends on what type of system you're running. It's that simple. What type of system you're running, that's what matters. We've thrown the ball quite a bit, but Gaskins has, for this season so far, He's literally gotten about 65% of all carries. That's your number one running back. When the runner up has gotten about 20% of the carries and then the rest of it and about 10% of the carries have been your quarterback and the rest of them are sprinkled around. A lot of people are going to talk about Miles Gaskin's average, like yesterday he averaged 3.6 yards per carry. And on the season, he's somewhere close to about four yards per carry. I am here to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, Miles Gaskins is a five-yard per carry running back for us right now. Don't look at the stats and what they tell you on the surface. You have to go back to the Jacksonville game and the 49ers game that we just played. In the fourth quarter of both games, we were running the ball, running the ball. The defense knew we were running the ball. And they would stack the box with nine players. And there would be multiple zero-yard gains and one-yard gains to end the game. So when you really look at his average per carry, it's being skewed negatively because we've just been blowing the two winning teams out. The two games that we won, we've blown those teams out. So Gaskin's average being below four yards per carry You have to, like I said, you have to put it into perspective. What Gaskins has done for this team is keep the chains moving. He's made huge runs. He's taken negative three-yard runs and turned them into positives. He's broken tackles to be the size that he is. He's made huge moments and opportunistic plays that have helped this team win games. And, you know, I'm not even we, – we talk about the run game with Miles Gaskins, but what no one wants to recognize is the fact that he also keeps the chains moving by catching the ball out of the backfield. Do you know that he tied Giuseppe yesterday with receptions? He continues to be one of the leading receivers on the team. He had five receptions for 34 yards as a running back. Every game, he's catching the ball as much as any receiver, if not more than most of them. Gaskins has been very vital to the success that we've seen. But like I've told people before, we won't give the credit because what we're looking for is a running back who's going to be running the ball, giving us 130 yards a game on 22 carries. That's not what this offense dictates, ladies and gentlemen. That's not what this offense dictates. So we need to understand that. i rather a guy who's going to get me four to five yards per carry than a guy who's going to continue to have us punting just for him to break out two times a game for a 60-yard run that may not even be a touchdown. That's what I would rather. And that's what Miles Gaskins has has provided for us. But I I I do want to send a, a a missing persons report out on Howard. Jordan Howard has anyone heard from him? I haven't. I haven't. And that's where the shock comes. You would think Breida Breida and Howard would be the leading backs on this team, but Gaskins has showed that he's going to be the future. But the offense is thriving, ladies and gentlemen. Chan Ailey called some great plays yesterday for this team. Put us in a great position to win. The defensive coordinator, I, I can't wait to hear more about this because I want to know how involved Brian Flores was with the defense yesterday because I've seen in the first four games, and now mind you, I do give, I do I do understand that, you know, Byron Jones was hurt, but I've also seen in the last four games where our defensive coordinator did not put our defense in the greatest position that they could have been in, in my opinion. But I wonder if Brian Flores is starting to instill his will on the situation because what he has done is allow those coaches to coach and have challenged them to get better and said that we, they all have to, just like they expect the players to get better. Brian Flores did say that the coaches have to be better as well. And yesterday was an example of both sides of the ball, both coordinators being very effective in calling a really good game, especially on the defense. And if we can keep this going, ladies and gentlemen, listen, we're going to the playoffs and we're going to scare teams. I look forward to this team continuing to play hard and playing for each other. And what I love the most about the game was the fun that they started to have. Christian Wilkins picking up fumbles, running, sprinting to the sideline to give it to his head coach, bringing a smile and a laugh on Flores' face that's always serious on the sideline. And everybody jumping around, bouncing around, Bobby getting picks, and I'm oh man, it was just a beautiful thing to see players happy about the work they've put in. We don't often see that. We see faces of disappointment, despair, and 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 defeat. Yesterday wasn't just beautiful for this team, but it was also beautiful for the fan base. Because we deserve more and we have continued to deserve more. This fan base has been loyal to this team for so long. And yesterday gave us the feeling that it's worth it. I'm proud of the organization. I'm proud of this coaching staff. I'm proud of the players. And I am definitely proud of this fan base. Sticking with our team no matter what for moments like what happened on Sunday. But we have to keep that going. We have to continue that. We have to make sure that Miami is back on the map, and I'm not talking about the Hurricanes because we already found that out versus Clemson. Gosh. But the Miami Dolphins are back on the map, and we're going to do something that, unfortunately Dan Marino couldn't do and that's bring a Lombardi trophy to the city of Miami. That's what we need to do. Not saying it's gonna happen this year, but we're headed in the right direction for that to happen in the very, very, very near future. Player of the game for me. Jason Sanders, he's our kicker. He's not going to get the credit. Everybody's going to talk about everybody in this game, but no one's going to talk or bring out of their mouth Jason Sanders. As good as Ryan Fitzpatrick was, at the end of the day, Jason Sanders kicked, kicked five field goals last week in a loss, the only one fighting to win. This week was money. Every chance he got, he's clutch. I understand the quarterback gets all the praise, but our quarterback benefits from a good run game now, a good pass protection now, receivers who have great hands who can go up and get it. Now, that doesn't diminish the fact that Ryan Fitzpatrick played one of the best games of his career, and it is honestly pro-level football that he played. Play like that all year, you're an MVP candidate. Not going to say you're going to win it, but you're an MVP candidate. But it's time. I got to give, I got to give Jason Sanders some love. He's my MVP in this game. He's my MVP. Is continued to be. I have to give him some love because we balled out in every facet of the game except Special teams. I'm not, since this is a just a good week for us, I'm not gonna get on Jakeem Grant too much. I'm just gonna say we need to be a little better on special teams. I'm gonna leave it at that. But good win by the Miami Dolphins. Can we continue this? We have the Jets coming up next week. In Miami, at home. The worst team in the league, in my opinion. Will the Miami Dolphins do what we used to do 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 years ago, blow out a good team and lose to the worst team in the league? That's where we have to show that this team is not the team of the past. This needs to be an impressive victory and bring this team back to 500 going right into the bye. Will we do it? I believe we will. Next week. Miami Dolphins versus the New York Jets. It's time to give Adam Gates the business. Maybe it's the game when he gets fired. Who knows? We will find out next week. Thank you, thank you, thank you for tuning in to the very first episode of Believe in Finn's Talk with TD. Special thanks once again to the Believe Podcast Network for believing in me and believing in the Miami Dolphins. If you're new, make sure that you subscribe, follow right now the podcast. We will have an episode every single Tuesday. And when I'm feeling good, I might drop a bonus one on Fridays. So stay tuned. Check it out. Turn your notifications on because I don't want you to miss any other bonus episodes either. Thank you so much for tuning in. I love you all. First episode is complete. Let me know. Rate this um, first podcast episode. Let me know how you how I did. Let me know what you think about it. You could do that via rating. I accept all five stars, by the way. You know, I gotta plug myself. Also, if you want to check out more dolphin content where you can see me, you can also check me out on YouTube at TD Finn's Talk as well. Ladies and gentlemen, love you all. Thank you for tuning in. It's TD. Thank you for believing in Finn's Talk. I'm out. Peace.